Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. I am very honored and grateful to be bringing this episode to you today from my home on the traditional unceded territories of the Tecumlips to Shaquetmik people within Shaquetmikulu, and I'm very thankful for their stewardship of these beautiful lands. In this episode today, I'm very excited to bring you a really wonderful conversation that I've had with a former student of mine, Michelle Amarel. Michelle is a inspiring HR graduate who has successfully launched her HR career only a couple of years after graduating, and I was so thrilled that she agreed to come on the show and share her story with you, the story of how we met, and also how she found success so soon after graduation as well as a whole lot more about her university experience. I think those of you that are in the depths of your university degree program or diploma program, and those of you who are soon to graduate, will find a lot of valuable advice and guidance in our conversation and some inspiration. Michelle's a wonderful person to have in your network and to know, and just a pleasure to spend time with. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed our conversation. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. I've uh, wanted to have you on the show for quite a while, I, I guess ever since you graduated. So I'm thrilled that you agreed to join me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know that I have been listening to your podcast since I was like in New Zealand. So it's really a pleasure to me to be here with you. Yeah, that's right. That's how we met, isn't it? <laughs> we met online and you were listening. So true. Yes, I was trying to engage um, with TRU uh, staff, right, right before I started actually my journey here in Canada. So yeah, thank you for having me. It's great. It's great to see you as well. So I have, you know, some questions about your journey that I want to ask, and and I want to go back kind of to the beginning. So you've, you've now studied HR, you're working in HR. What brought you to the HR profession in the first place? What drew you in to make you want to study human resource management? Wow, that's a great question, actually. Well, I think I decided to study HR because I wanted to be like a change agent. I really wanted to be part of something bigger where I could help people to feel seen, heard, and valued as well. I had some tough experience with some organizations that I worked in the past, and I felt that I really wanted to be in a place where I could support positive change. And I think HR just gives us so much opportunity, right? Um, And that's why I decided to study HR, just to help people. You know, I've never really had anyone say that they wanted to study HR because they wanted to make change or to be a change agent. And yet that is one of the most important roles that HR professionals take on in organizations. I've just never heard anyone say that before. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel like this is very important just for us to create like a better employee experience. And we can even use our personal experience, right? Things that we feel was not right back then that we could improve as well. So I, I'm from Brazil, but I lived in New Zealand for seven years. So I think I can use like all these different uh, experience as well in my career. So I think that's very positive too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes those worst experiences can lead us to the best places, even though, you know, you probably wouldn't want to go back to them. <laughs> and maybe you wouldn't say, you know, thank you for these experiences. But sometimes those lead us to our our ideal career path. Sometimes they lead us to learning things about ourselves that helps us become better leaders and better HR professionals. So I think that's really insightful that you would take a bad experience and say, well, I don't ever want to experience this again and, and to find a profession that would allow you to facilitate that. Yes, uh, I agree with you. And I feel like uh, that's exactly the way that I felt. I really wanted to be in a position where I could support people to never feel the way that I felt. Um, and I think HR just gives me so much opportunity to do that. So I'm very grateful to be working in HR for sure. That's excellent. So Tell us how you ended up at TRU. You said you're from Brazil, you went to New Zealand, and then you studied in Kamloops, British Columbia. So what was that journey like? Oh, yes. Um, well, I started looking about like HR when I was living in Christchurch in New Zealand. And then I was browsing universities and I found TRU. I wanted to live in a small community, not in a big city. Okay. And I didn't want to go to a place that was too cold as well. So I feel like Kamloops was like the perfect place for me because the winter <laughs> is quite mild in comparison to Calgary or Toronto, for example, right? Right. And I felt like TRU was big enough, even though we are in a small town. And I tried to just connect with people online. So I had my social media account and I tried to find students, right? Students uh, at TRU that I could connect and hear about their experience as well. And that's how I found you. Um, yes. Yeah, we connected when I was living in New Zealand. I asked you about things as well. And I started listening to your podcast. And that's how I end up at TRU. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of students are drawn to the smaller community. It's, it's amazing to me how many people don't want to have that huge city experience. And I don't know, maybe it's because did you live in Sao Paulo or in a big city in Brazil? Yes, I am from Sao Paulo. Okay. So it's a big yeah. city. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> I remember my sister in law is from Sao Paulo. And I remember when I first met her, uh, when my brother and her first started dating and she was describing, you know, how many people lived in Sao Paulo. And that was close to the population of Canada at the time. And yes, true. <laughs> it was just amazing to think about that difference and how that many people are spread out over this large geography. And yet in other places, they're condensed in one city. So yeah, I get that. I, I think that there's a lot that a city our size offers, especially people who are 
starting out and going to school and and have you know want to work it it's easy to get around here you do get a chance to build community and i think that's probably not quite the same experience in larger centers and larger schools 100% yes and you get this sense that people want to help each other as well i think since day one that i lived here in canada that i moved here right i feel like I had this sense of belonging because mm. everybody was so supportive and helpful. And every time you ask a question to somebody, they, even if they don't know the answer, they will guide you to the right way. Right. Um, you are walking on the streets and people are smiling. They are saying good morning, good afternoon. So this is small things matter when you are an immigrant now new in town, right? It really matters. So I think Canlop's, um, It's a beautiful city and we have so much to do here outdoor as well. Like uh -huh. you can do hiking. Um, we have beautiful lakes. We are not that far from Vancouver and Kelowna. So it's a really nice place to live. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, I always tell people it's easy to live here. There's, you know, you don't spend your life in your car. I lived in the lower mainland for eight years and that was one of the things I just couldn't stand anymore was spending so much time in my car just getting from point a to point b and i found that really frustrating but this is this is just easy everything's 15 minutes away at most for most places and yeah I, there's something to be said for that so that's great yes you have more quality of life right like yeah i can go to work i can just walk and it's like 15 minutes from my place So this is pretty amazing to just that is walk amazing. to work. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, the other thing I was going to say, and I noticed this about you from the beginning, Kamloops is a welcoming place. I think TRU is a welcoming school. We have a lot of international students, so there's also lots of support set up for that. Mm -hmm. But I think you also put a lot of effort in to getting to know people, to being connected with people. And I think that's so important for students who want to have a good university experience is you, you do have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree with you 100%. It's really hard to network, right? When you are new in town. And I feel like sometimes people just concentrate on quantity over quality. So mm. they just want to get to know more people, but they, they are not really knowing the people that they are talking with. So I'm very curious about people. So when I meet someone, I really want to spend the time and be present and just learn about them. So I feel that that's the way for you to build these strong and authentic connections with people. It's just, just, just about being genuine about the connections that you make, right? It's not just about trying to network, but actually getting to know people and finding ways to support each other. That's so true. Yeah, I love how you said it's quality over quantity. Yes. I, I think sometimes, you know, you've listened to the podcast, you know how important I think networking is to career success and especially finding a, a new role or a first role. But I think sometimes students or new grads think, well, I'll just send out this message to 100 people or even 50 people and I've networked and why didn't I get a job at the end of that? Or why didn't anyone want to have coffee with me? And to your point, if you don't 
make a quality connection, people aren't going to make an effort to get to know you or to, you know, assist you. There has to be a relationship. It's more about relationship building than just ticking names off of LinkedIn and getting as many as you can. (laughs) Yes, I agree with you. It's about connecting with the right people as well that um, Mm. you have to find the right people that they have something common with you as well. I feel like this helps for you to just make conversations, right? I'm really bad with small talk. Just ask about the weekend or how is the weather? Yeah. I really like these deep conversations about life. So sometimes it's easier when you find people that you can connect and you have things in common, right? But also it's important to be out of your comfort zone and just get a user to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's okay. That's how we grow, right? Absolutely. Yeah, really good point. So what did you enjoy the most about being at TRU? Oh, wow. I love it. My time at TRU. I tried really hard to make the most of it. I would say that the people that I met there was like so precious for me. It was so important to feel, like I said to you before, this sense of belonging that you were not mm. an outsider. Um you are from somewhere else, but you can be part of this as well. So this for me was really big and important. Uh, all the professors, right? Um, you, Kevin, you are sometimes you, even yourself, like you were believing in me before I could believe on myself. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to have like the supporting network as well of people that can believe in yourself, right? When you are not feeling so brave. So TRU got so many resources that we can use. We have the HR club. We have the career service that I use it a lot to help me build my resume, for example. Um, I use it the writing center a lot as well. So TRU yeah. got so many resources that us as a students, we can use. I had as well, some issues with mental health and pressure and workload. And I use it, the resource at the wellness center as well. So mm. I think if you go there and you talk to people, you will find the right resource for you. It's just a matter of you being curious, right? And go out there and try to find connections and resource that you can use. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think, you know, I look back on my own university experience, my undergrad experience, which was more than a couple of years ago. (laughs) And I didn't connect with the campus community. I was much more focused on much more focused on friends I had outside of university, and just getting my studies done and working because like many students now I was also working part time um, at periods full time, and I took less classes so that I didn't become overwhelmed and I had the ability to do that. So it did take me longer, but I never really got engaged with the campus community. And I look back now and maybe it's because I'm a professor now, I know about all of these things or maybe they didn't exist then. I I really don't know, but I didn't take advantage of any of that. I didn't join any clubs. Um, I didn't use the career center other than to look up jobs on a job board yeah, I really, I really didn't engage. And I look at all the opportunities students have now. And when I'm talking to, to students, and even, you know, my own kids, 
that's what I say. You have to you have to go out there and you have to engage and you'll have a better experience. But if you just spend all your time working and studying alone at home, it's it's going to be a tough slog. It'll be a long haul over those, you know, two to four years. For sure. And it will be even harder for you to find like your first job, right? If you are yes. not trying to engage or trying to find the right resource. But I think you made a really fair point as well. I think I had the privilege of time. I had the time to just concentrate myself on my studies as well. I was mm. not working full time, for example. I know a lot of international students now they can work full time, right? Because we yes. have this in place until December. So it's really hard for you to manage like a full schedule at school and a full time job. It's not easy. But for me, I had the privilege to just concentrate myself and just study and just get to know all this resource. So yeah, it was amazing for me. It, it is interesting to see anecdotally, I have not done any research on it. And I, I hope somebody did. But mm -hmm. that change in those hours of work, there was a dramatic difference in attendance and classes in this semester, it seems to be that nobody's on time for class, people filter in, not, not four minutes or five minutes late, but in some of my three hour classes, I'll have someone come an hour late. Mm -hmm. And I'll have <laughs> my one morning class, I had a student come in for the last 15 minutes and I'm thinking, why bother coming for the last 15 minutes? Like I just, and, and nobody seems to be, I don't know, too concerned about it. But then I heard another student, they're doing a group project and they were in my office and I was giving them some coaching and, and he said, I don't understand this, why people can't meet for group projects. School's your priority. You should be, you know, and I think he did work and stuff, but he's like, school should be your priority. And I was like, he's the first person I've heard say that in a really long time. But it's, you do see the the split sort of priorities and school seems to be the thing that suffers. And, and I worry that students aren't aren't getting out of it what they could be getting out of it and looking at it in the long term, right? Like this is going to benefit them in the long term. Yes, 100%. And will affect, right? If you are working full-time hours, 40 hours a week, and you are taking, I don't know, three course or four course yeah. minimum, it's really impossible. Like I was doing three, four course and to take a full-time job, I wouldn't be able to manage, no. to be honest with you, with everything else that I was doing. And I was feeling very under pressure with school, right? Because I was not there just to take attendance. I really wanted to learn as much as I can. It's a huge investment, right? It's not cheap for you to go to university no. so you have to make make the most of it because the investment's really high absolutely absolutely I don't know anything you would pay you know two three thousand dollars for even if even if you're paying domestic student fees and that you would just be like well maybe I'll go maybe I'll use this that's like you know what I mean would you buy a I don't know anything for $2,000 and then just kind of not use it. It doesn't make sense. It it really doesn't. You're right. It's an yeah. investment. And yeah, I, I hope that 
you know, I know there's a lot of pressure on students that come and this is not an inexpensive country to live in and school's not inexpensive and all of those things. But I do hope that it goes back to some sort of more normal attendance kind of experience because it does make it difficult in the class and and you can see people are struggling right sure. With, yeah they're not especially learning. mental health right it's yeah. a big deal yeah if you cannot yeah. I know it's important for you to have money and earn money when you were overseas and paying bills back home it's not easy right but especially as an international student you have like a minimum attendance that you must have and you have to right. pass the class as well so you have to take care of this and make sure like university is actually your priority otherwise you won't even be able to graduate yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And retaking a course is also not cheap and, and it extends things, right? So it takes you, oh, sorry, my dog's yawning <laughs> under the desk. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> He's not normally that loud. Oh, that's funny. Um, retaking something, it's, you know, there's the cost of paying to retake it, but then there's also your time. You've just extended moving on with your life you know, another semester. And yeah, I just, I, I wish more students understood that. Maybe they'll listen to this and they'll hear you and, and, uh, and maybe that will change some minds. I hope yeah. so. Anyway. It's all about balance, right? You have to find yeah. that right balance for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your job search. And when you graduated, you said you weren't working a, a a part-time job while you were going to school. So what were some of the biggest challenges you had looking for your first HR job? Okay, well, I I think it was actually just trying to connect with the right people. Like you said, networking mm. is so important, right? When you are new to town, you have to put yourself out there. The lack of experience in HR was a big thing because I never worked in HR before. And most of the job postings, they would ask for at least one, two years, right? Of right. HR experience. So that was a challenge. So I had to prove myself in a different way. Like I don't have the HR experience, but I have this, that, and that. So you have to show uh, different in different ways why they should welcome on board, right? So I think I tried to connect with people. I really wanted to work in social service with social service. Okay. I wanted like to give back to the community. So I tried to engage with people related to this field a lot. And that's how I found my first job. My, my manager, she was actually on the CPHR. She's a CPHR member and she was engaging a lot with the club as well. So that's how I met her. Okay, that's mm -hmm. excellent. You know, and that focus on a certain industry, do you think that that played an important role in you finding that first job? I think so. I think not just trying to find an HR job, but find the right HR job for myself. For me, yeah. it was not about just finding a job, it was just working in a place where I could feel like we said in the beginning, a sense of belonging, right? Have a purpose. So I really wanted to work in a place like that. And that's how I went to social service. 
And I feel just knowing what I wanted really helped me to try to just focus in one area, right? Sometimes it, it can limit you as well. Maybe I would find like different paths, but for me, it's working really well. I think that's so important because if you're aligned with that and it, and it sounds, you can hear it in your voice, how passionate you are about working in that industry or field, when you go in to talk about yourself or to talk about what you can offer the organization, they will see how that's aligned with your values and who you are and what you want to contribute. And that's, that's something that you can't train in an employee is that type of engagement with your organization or that values alignment. And I try and stress that as much as I can with new grads that you have to figure out what your niche is. And that's a really scary prospect for a lot of students and new grads because they feel like, well, if I if I create a niche now, I'm I'm going to limit myself to your point and that's going to make it harder to find a job. But in fact, the opposite's true. When you're focused and you're everything you're saying and the way you're promoting yourself is aligned with that, it it draws the right people to you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, it's just organic, right? It's just flow. You don't have to pretend to be someone that you are not. Yeah, you can just be yourself because you are sharing with them what you truly believe, right? So it's just easier for you as well. It's not something that you are going on the company's website and reading about their values. It's actually you are aligned with everything they are doing. Yeah, it's just easier this way for sure. I think so. Yeah, that's great. I didn't know that that was uh, that you were passionate about working in the social services industry. I I had no idea that that was uh, that was part of your journey. So that's really exciting. It is for sure. Even my first job here in Canada, right? I work it as an admin assistant and I was trying to find a job in social service. So I work it in a not-for-profit with the Métis community. Right. And that's how I learned a lot about the Indigenous people here in Canada as well. So it was another amazing experience, but really linked to that community and social service that I was looking for. So it sounds like that focus was really important to you as well as connecting with the right people. So people that were aligned with the type of work you wanted to do and where you wanted to work. So where has that journey led you now? Where are you working? What type of a role you're in? Are you in? Can you tell us a little bit about that? For sure. So I'm working um, with social service, right? Like we said, I started there actually as a recruiter. So I was working as a recruiter and HR coordinator. And I think was like amazing for me because recruitment just gives you an opportunity to deal with so many different things. And I think it's great to start your HR journey with something like that because you will learn about multitasking and doing like so many things all at once. (laughs) It's just HR is way more intense than I thought, but yeah, yeah, it's really great. So I work it for, I would say 11 months, I think. And then I got promoted and now I'm an HR generalist. And now I deal more with like labor relations. I do support our team as well. I do recruitment. I kind of do everything, I feel like, as a generalist, but it's a great way for you to learn different things in HR as well. Absolutely. It's so funny because that was exactly my path 
Michelle. I oh, started. Really? Yes. Wow. I started when I left university, I started as an employment counselor. So I did that for three years and got an employment counseling certification. So I was working in the helping actually displaced forest workers find other career paths. And so I, I spent a lot of time in career development. And then when I moved to the lower mainland, my first, I always call it my first real HR job was as a recruiter. Oh, wow. And, and it's exactly what you said. I, I learned so many things about the organization. I was also doing some training and orientation with new staff, but I met so many people by being a recruiter, both in the organization and outside of the organization, because I was connecting with different um, job services, like job hunting services with immigrant services, um, other community groups, because we were looking, we were hiring large volumes of people for a call center. So we were very engaged with the local community on that. And then that led me to an HR generalist role because I had such strong recruitment skills mm -hmm. and the organization I ended up working at was expanding and they, they needed a generalist that could handle a lot of recruitment. <laughs> and, and from there, I, it took me in all kinds of directions. That's where I learned about talent management was in that organization. I learned a lot about compensation. I did some internal communications work there. Like it, it was incredible. And I loved that generalist role. And I stayed in a generalist role for a lot of my career because the variety and the connections you get to make with managers were just so rewarding for me. I just I loved that. Yeah, I'm really enjoying as well. And I feel like um, with the connections that we make with like branch managers as well and all the leadership team, you can learn so much from them. Um, and it's so helpful as a new HR professional, right? For you to engage yeah. with people with different backgrounds. So yeah, it's it's really amazing. And I love recruitment. I think it's an amazing, yeah. it's an amazing position and give you a chance to just meet so many people from everywhere, right? With so many different backgrounds. And I love connecting with people. So I feel like recruitment was really right for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. It's it's a lot of fun too. Like it's probably one of the most positive parts of HR because I mean, sometimes you're giving people bad news when they're not getting the job, but for the most part, recruitment's a pretty positive place to be. So it's a good starting place for people in their career. Cause to your point, HR is very intense and it's more intense in some spaces than it is in others. And I think mm -hmm. recruitment is a pretty positive place to be. So Yes, for sure. I remember yeah. my first interview, uh, the person that I was doing the interview was super nervous, but I think I was more nervous than them <laughs> because it was my first one, but they didn't know, right? Yeah. So it's just like a matter of you to just manage your emotions as well. So HR is kind of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it is that. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Well, and you know, another thing I was going to say about the generalist role, and you'll, you'll probably find this if if you stay in that role for a little while is, you know, getting to support managers, supporting them with whatever they need, you're going to start to learn more about different specialties in HR. And that might lead you to other paths. So when you, you know, let's say you take a real interest in actually helping a manager lead a change initiative, well, maybe you want to go to 
more in that direction and you look at, you know, taking some additional education or training on organizational development and change, and maybe you find a role in that space. And that can be really rewarding as well, because you you do get exposed to everything. I agree with you. Yeah, you just have to keep um, an open mind, right? About yeah. everything. Yeah, just absorb as much as you can and learn as much as you can as well with people. I think people in my organization, they are really amazing and very humble. So they are always mm. willing to share the knowledge, which is quite important in any field for you. It's not about you having all the knowledge, yeah. but it's actually sharing that with others is so important. And that's why I think your podcast is amazing as well, because you are sharing that with so many students, right? And it helps us to just make, like, just to decide what we are going to do. Sometimes you are lost. And when you listen to something, one of your podcasts, oh my God, where should I go in HR? We have so many options. You just feel like you have someone who can understand you. That's great. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Given where you are right now, what advice would you give to a new HR grad? I know there's going to be students who are going to be graduating in December. I know I've talked to a few of my students who are feeling kind of anxious about graduation and what comes next. I, I did an episode on that uh, in October, I believe it was, about you know, managing anxiety when you're getting close to graduation. What advice would you give those students? I would say to just first, you must believe in yourself. You have to find a way to just, um, just know that you are important. And what do you think? Sometimes it's crazy. It's not that crazy. Maybe you were <laughs> doing the right thing and you were in the right path. Be curious about things and try to find um, the right connections for you. Um, I think consistency is very important as well. Mm. Um, it's not about being good one day, but it's about what you do every day to get there. I think that's really important too. And just build, right? Health habits. Uh, just find a ways like volunteer job, for example, if you, if you don't have any experience. I know sometimes people think volunteer is really cliche, or maybe you take a lot of your time, but like for myself, I'm doing a volunteer job that it's actually online and I just have to engage with them once a week. So mm -hmm. it's not much and it helps you a lot as well to develop yourself. So find a volunteer job, be curious about uh, what you are doing and about people as well that you meet and consistency. I think it's the key. That's so important, the consistency. I'm glad you said that because you're not going to find your first HR job after reaching out and making one connection and applying for one job, and then you're just going to sit back. And, you know, in, in some ways, it's a numbers game, but also if you're only kind of half in your job search, then you're, you're kind of not, you're not in it. And it's, it's not going to net you the kind of results that you want. And I'm not saying you have to spend your entire day on your job search, but if you put in that kind of consistent effort and you don't give up, and to your point, you believe in yourself and you you know that, you know, the next call, the next interview, that could be the one. But if you stop on the second one and you give up, you know, maybe you're like, okay, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to 
I don't know, I'm just going to take any job and or I'm going to go back to school and get another degree because a lot of times people do that because they think they're never going to find a job. But you have to be in your job search. You have to be in that mode. It's a numbers game and it takes time. It's really important advice. And don't be shy, right? Just because you got a no or one close door doesn't mean like you are a failure. No, Uh, just means that that door, it might be closed for you today, but they might open that tomorrow. So don't take it personally, just keep trying, right? Maybe, absolutely, maybe you should just learn something from that. Ask for a feedback is so important. Like I did so many interviews and some of them, they said no. And I asked for a feedback. What can I do better next time? And you keep trying, never give up. That's what we do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of the process to be rejected in a job search, even though we don't like it. Mm -hmm. But that is part of the process. If you're getting rejected, you're in the game. Yes. (laughs) Right? I I feel like being rejected is actually sometimes good. Sometimes you are rejected. At least they are saying no to you. I hate when recruiters, they don't respond to us at all. So please don't be this kind of recruiter. (laughs) Get back to people and just say no. At least they know they can move on. Right. But yeah, rejection is important as well. It's part of the process. It's how we grow. It's how it's how we can try better the next day. Right. Well, and sometimes. I've I've gained a fondness for this saying lately, but sometimes we don't know what we've been saved from. Like if it's if they didn't see us as a match, mm-hmm. you don't want to be trying to squeeze yourself into somewhere that it's not a fit or or being in over your head, right? So let's say it's a it's a job situation and they're kind of like we don't, we don't know that you're quite ready for this. And you're in your mind, you keep saying, well, I can do anything I can do. Well, that's not entirely true. And you might find yourself in a situation. And I have had students be in a situation where they're in over their head, and they're probably going to make a decision or a mistake that they don't have the knowledge or the experience to handle. And they're putting themselves and potentially the organization at risk. So sometimes you have to trust when the employer doesn't see the fit that there's a good reason for that. I agree with you. Yes. And sometimes it's just not for you, right? You just yeah. try a different place. I, I, at least for me, myself personally, right? I don't try like the same thing a thousand times. If I apply it for a job today, I won't keep trying for that the same job that I just got right. rejected again and again and again, because they won't change their mind the next day. I need to give right. it time, right? I have to yeah. prove something before I apply again. And I see that all over the place. Sometimes people just apply for the same job like 10,000 times, uh-huh. even though they are being rejected. And this won't help you. I remember one place I worked that happened all the time. You'd get the same people from the community. They wouldn't have any of the experience or education or skills that you were looking for, but they applied on every job from a senior management job to a frontline worker job. They applied for them all. And I know in their mind, they're thinking, well, you never know, <laughs> but I know <laughs> there yes. isn't a fit. Like you, you don't have the skills and experience and education, and we're not going to put you or the organization at risk. It's not, you can 
keep sending. I don't know how many resumes that person sent, but you can keep sending them and it's not going to be different, you know? So sometimes you have to know when to know when to move on and, and look for other opportunities, right? Yeah. Even if you love that organization and, you know, like you said, maybe it's not right for you today, but maybe in a year or two when you've had some experience, then it might be the right fit. And I've seen that happen for people as well. Yes. And take the time to feel your emotions as well. It's okay to feel frustrated and disappointed, right? When you apply for a job that you really wanted and you just got rejected. But I think that's the time for us to take a step back and just think about things that we could do different the next day, instead of just like being mad with the organization, for example. Exactly. You know, I don't know if I've told this story on here before, but I remember when I was trying to moved back to Kamloops from the lower mainland when my kids were little and we had made the decision that we we didn't want to stay there and I was looking for jobs and I applied for a job with a big multinational corporation and I I didn't really love the company but they had a job opportunity and the money was good and I know they did have some fairly sophisticated HR practices and I went through I think 3 phone interviews. And in the end, I didn't get the job. And I asked for feedback. And they just said I didn't have the scope of experience that they were looking for, because it was sort of a regional HR manager type job. And I was devastated. Like I was, I was like, in tears, kind of gutted. And I really had to take a step back and think, why was I so upset? And I was upset because I wanted to move my family. It wasn't really about the job. It was it was about moving. And when I look back at that now and think about what my life would have been like if I had been given that job, and A, I think I would have been in over my head, and B, I think I would have been really unhappy in that organization because I didn't really like the organization. And I think I was saved from something that would have made me very unhappy, but I didn't know it at the time. And and I had to, to your point, I had to sit back and really reflect on that. Like what was so upsetting and why did I apply to this in the first place? And they probably could pick up on the fact that I wasn't head over heels about their organization. You know, they, mm -hmm. they know what they're doing. For sure. Yes. I, and I think rejection, I, I truly believe on that. Sometimes rejections can lead um, to something better. Sometimes yeah. it's just not the right place for you. You, you don't understand you will feel frustrated and sad. But when you see like, like after five, 10 years, you'll be like, Oh, that's why this happened to me. Yeah. It just makes sense, right? 100%. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes you just have to trust that the universe has your back. And yeah, everything sort of happens for a reason. And, and that's no different in a job search. So, so Michelle, those are all the questions that I have for you today. I want to thank you so much for being here. I know I have taken more of your time than I wanted to, but you've been very generous with your advice and sharing your story. And I know it's it's going to help a lot of students who are where you were a couple of years ago embarking on this kind of new part of the life journey. And uh, I'm really grateful for your time. 
I'm really grateful that you invited me to be here. You know that I admire you so much in so many ways as a professor, as a woman. I truly believe that our paths connected for some reason back in New Zealand because everything started there for me. So I really appreciate you as a person as well and everything that you did to me while I was at TRU. Um, I'm totally out of my comfort zone here. 100%, but I'm glad I came. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. You seem very comfortable here. So maybe maybe that's in your future as a podcast. You never oh, who know. knows, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I never thought I would do this. That's for sure. And it, it took me six months before I posted that first episode. I was so scared of what would happen. So yeah, thank you and your support. I, I've always appreciated it and it's it's been amazing to to have you in in my network and uh yeah it's it's been really great. Thank you so much. And thank you, Michelle. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And more importantly, that you had some great takeaways that will help you as you embark on your HR career. If you're loving the HR Mentor, I also encourage you to like, subscribe, and comment wherever you're listening, as it will help bring this podcast closer to others who will benefit from it. If you want to connect with Michelle, please check out the show notes for links to where you can find her on LinkedIn, as well as other helpful links related to the HR Mentor podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Take care. Bye for now.